Now, guys, I'm going to read to you just a couple of verses from John 10 and then one from 1 Corinthians 11. So you follow, you can just listen as I read. This is John 10, verse 17 and 18, and it reads like this. Jesus is speaking and he says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Now, in 1 Corinthians 11, which is perhaps more familiar, verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, this word, this endures forever. Guys, I must confess that I, um, I wrote my, well, I, it, at least in its, in its thought, um, my, my sermon this morning was created in the aisles of Costco. Um, I was in Costco uh, at the direction of my wife to get some Rice Krispie treats for the kids in the neighborhood Christian Center. And as I was walking down the aisle, headed towards the back, back there where the birthday cakes are, I noticed, <laughs> I noticed a bottle of wine, a display, kind of a little rack of wine, and it was, on, it was being sold for $107.84. And I thought, now, what makes a bottle of wine cost $107.84 at Costco? So I, I kind of paused and went over to read the, um, the little cards that they have in there that are descriptive of the wine. And I'm telling you, it was an education. Um, I had no idea. I mean, I thought wine was wine. <laughs> Foolish boy. Um, I, you know, I, I do not claimed to be a sommelier, but I thought, well, you know, I knew something. But um, I, and so I read these cards. I read several of them. And as, the more I read, I took out my business card and I started writing some of the stuff down on these cards because it was really kind of funny. I mean, did you know? Well, the one that I think that was being sold for $107, one of the component parts of it was an earthy chocolate. Now, who puts chocolate in their wine? I mean, did you know that? Did you know that chocolate? I didn't. There was another one. Um, uh, lemon with a slight saline edge. Salt? You put salt in wine? Didn't know that either. There was one there that had black cherry and blackberry, and I got that one. I, that kind of, I understood that one. But then there, there was one that had uh, pears, and peaches, and honey, and anise. Well, I didn't even know what anise was. Um, I had to look it up. Uh, anise, it's a, it's a spice that is akin to licorice. Boo. Um, and then there was another one that um, it had uh, pear, and plums, and... Um, Violets, violets, folks. I mean, who crushes up violets and puts it in the wine? 
I didn't know there were violets in some wine. But my favorite of all of them, my favorite was um, uh, a one description that said that this wine uh, takes advantage of the most noble qualities of the grape. <laughs> now, who knew that grapes had noble qualities? Uh, but I, I, I guess grapes have noble qualities because it's in that wine, I, I guess. And, but so many of the descriptions would use language like the finish of the wine, and I thought, finish? Um, and then deeply nuanced with all of its flavors and um, richly, finely nuanced. And, and I have to tell you that as I read all that, I thought of the Lord's Supper. Because I'm, I think that the Lord's Supper is richly nuanced. And let, let me tell you why I say that, or just some of the reasons that I say that. For instance, gang, much of the four Gospels, of course, as you know, um, is about what Jesus taught or said or did. But this sacrament is different in a very subtle way. Because this sacrament mainly tells us about Christ himself, his flesh, his body, his blood. There's not much in the New Testament about that except via this sacrament. Um, and then, I don't know whether you noticed this in the John 10 passage that I read, um, but, but, but you notice that Jesus says, nobody takes my life from me. I lay down my life. I chose to lay it down. And yet, folks, this sacrament um, it tells us something about things that were done to Jesus. But things that were also done by Jesus. Folks, people are, are held guilty for taking a life that was being laid down. Isn't that interesting? The same time a life is being laid down, people are taking it. Um, the sacrament, it, it tells us what happened to him, what, what was done to him, that he was put to death. But gang, this is no ordinary death. This was a, this was a violent death. Because you see, this is not just bread. This is broken bread. And in addition, we normally try to forget the tragic death of a loved one. But oh, not this one. No, no. The New Testament is very clear about, don't you forget this one. You can forget a whole lot of other things, but you cannot forget this death. Even though it was gruesome, don't forget this death. And then we're told, that the, one of the reasons that we do it so often, that is that we do the Lord's Supper, Peter's language is this, stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. Yeah, stirring up your sincere minds by way of reminder. Because why? Because you forgot it. We forgot something that's at the center of our whole religion. And so we must be stirred up to memory of it. But at the same time, we're commanded to do that. So the sacrament is stirring up our minds 
so that we can obey a command of never forgetting this death. (laughs) One other little nuance, I think, this little hint, this little aroma. Did you notice it in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26? Do this as often as you drink it until he comes. So, so the sacrament is pointing us back to things that he did and accomplished in the past while at the same time reminding us of a promise that he made about what he's going to do in the future. It tells us of what he accomplished in the past and what he plans to accomplish in the future. Oh, but Jimmy, um, it's been 2,000 years. Yeah, it has. But think of the people who waited 4,000 years for him to come the first time. See, guys, all I'm saying is, in this sacrament, there's a lot going on. There's a lot to think about. Because you see, this sacrament is richly nuanced. It has all kinds of themes that are woven in and out of it. So in the midst of all that's going on in this sacrament, it only becomes a means of grace You've heard it called that before, I hope. The sacrament is a means of grace. It only becomes a means of grace. Not when we've got all of these nuances figured out and understood. It becomes a means of grace. When it is received by faith. The efficacy of this sacrament demands the exercise of faith. And let me tell you what that means, I think. That these elements symbolize something. These elements in an emblematic way are describing the thing in which we trust to deliver us from our sin. And so when I come to participate in these elements I recommit myself to the thing being symbolized is the very grounds for which my soul is safe and as far as his coming again is concerned that too requires that I exercise faith because that hasn't yet happened All of that to say, guys, this is a sacrament that should captivate the very imaginations of the people of God. Choose which hint you want to concentrate on because you see, there are numerous in there, in the sacrament. But all of it, as we come, all of it is to be received by an exercise of faith. What's going on here 
is simply the symbols of my redemption. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, would you meet us at this sacrament? Would you nourish the souls of your people as they partake in such a way that we inch forward in our whole grasp of the gospel and our determination to honor Jesus Christ with all we do? Oh God, would you use this to remind us that at the heart of what we believe is a broken body and shed blood. We pray, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen.